0: I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned you might have seen it. uh, Did you end up seeing the boogeyman?
1: No, we were going to go see it yesterday, but instead I watched both of these movies back to back and we're putting it off until later in the week, but we will be seeing it this week. Gotcha. Yeah. It's that or spider verse. Those are the two. I'm
0: like, which do
1: I want to prioritize?
0: Yeah. I, with boogeyman, we'd have to get little, uh, baby earmuffs for Mart and bring him and go to like a 10 o'clock showing where nobody else is there. Uh, I think that's doable. Uh, But with Spider-Verse, I'd have to go alone because she would have no interest in seeing it and I don't know if I can get away for... It's like a 30-minute drive to the theater for me, so I'd have to get away for a few hours. You're more interested in horror than comic
1: book stuff?
0: Her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She does not... has no interest in comic book stuff at all. Okay. I'm... Yeah, I mean, I
1: was... The same way and also I think most of society's burned out on it, even if they were interested at some point. But you know, we've talked about that, so I get it. I well, just thought she had absolutely no interest in horror either, and she just sat there with her arms crossed the whole time going. Oh uh. no.
0: We we met because of horror. I think like the first we I mean, we met on Okay Cupid years ago, but like the first thing we talked about was like horror and scary stuff, and we purposely had our wedding the day before Halloween. So okay. All right. Jeez, I well, I mean, that's
1: fine. This is just me making passing judgments on people based on the fact <laughs> that they didn't like... I'm trying to remember the last movie that I really disappointed everybody
0: with. Because it's usually me. Well, one she really doesn't like is uh, Possession. She always refers to that as the uh, Sexy worm
1: movie. I, I wish that I had more appreciation of that movie. I wasn't a fan either. I'm not a big fan. I... Yeah.
0: I, I I think I'm like on the fence about it i think i like it sometimes and other times like yeah it was okay
1: there are are positives to be had from it It is clearly an expression that it's not like it's confusing that it's an art film it's just because it's an art film it is confusing and i just what you got to be in the mood for that sometimes
0: yeah i kind of feel similar about it how i do like the original suspiria like i like them both uh to an extent but i feel like suspiria because it was I think I I didn't see it until after. Splatter baby. I didn't see it until after the uh, remake had come out.
1: When we did the. I think I. I don't know if I said it on the episode. I probably did. But when we did the um, Dawn of the Dead, like what we did today, where we did the original and the remake, I was surprised to find out I don't really like Dawn of the Dead. And that's kind of a bummer to admit out loud. I think uh, Night of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead I like more. Than dawn of the dead even though dawn of the dead is what most people think is like romero's high point
0: yeah i i think I, i'll need to like ruminate on that um i think i like most of dawn but it's just so long and not a lot happens throughout a lot of it i remember very little about night of the living dead i don't know if i've ever actually seen day of the dead all the way through Day the, Day the Dead's the one where like that sort of bad guy at the end is like screaming choke on it, right? Yeah, Not that's guy, the,
1: the military base, and uh, the main sort of thing that people take away from that movie is Bub, the somewhat sentient zombie they've captured, and he has little headphones on. They, they play a music, he's chained to a wall.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: There's a scene in Shaun of the Dead when the, uh, old, the guy that... What is his name? Uh the dude with glasses and dark hair gets disemboweled. And that's a scene from Day of the Dead is him just getting ripped open by a bunch of zombies.
0: OK. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would need to go back and rewatch it. Uh, I haven't seen Tron the Dead in a while either, actually. I would yeah. like to. Two DVDs when I first got a DVD player and
1: I got Shaun of the Dead and Office Space. And I watched nice. everything imaginable on uh, both DVDs. And, <laughs> and Edgar right, is really good at adding bonus features there's a he does like a pop-up video why am i talking about this i'm just distracting from the episode anyway i watch those movies a lot i love them the end
0: <laughs> yeah i uh i think like two of the movies i had when i was younger that i watched a lot were ferris Bueller's day off and napoleon dynamite and i feel like i had those on like when i was like sick at home and just like fell asleep and like, the menu music is just burned into my skull to the point that i can't even watch either of those movies anymore
1: yeah, I've um, I've fallen asleep at a friend's house many a time and woken up. And the one for me was "Snatched," the Guy Ritchie movie. It is this loop of a song. It's like this, like funky little bass line and like a vocal over the top of it. It's not words. It's just like somebody scatting over it. And it is the most annoying thing. And I've been just laying on a couch listening to that for like six hours at a time. So speaking of laying on a couch uh, six hours at a time, listening to looping music. Uh, Welcome to Splatterbrains, a horror podcast that's usually hosted by four people and it's today hosted by two. I'm one of those hosts. My name is Alex. And I'm Brad. And welcome to our episode about some stuff. Um, Recently, a film that we're going to talk about today came out by the name of Malum. Uh, I assume that is the pronunciation. I don't know why. I didn't second guess it until I had to say it into a microphone just now. Uh, But uh, it's... it got a very small amount of buzz, and uh, it was a very funny internet campaign because we got to see a lot of people going, this is a rip-off of Last Shift, not realizing it's the director remaking his own movie. Brad, what made you want to watch this? What did you hear about it, etc.?
0: I don't remember actually hearing too much about it. I think I read, or like at least skimmed a Bloody Disgusting or Dread Central or Choose Your Pick a Poison. Uh, what, like One of those people's articles about... Malum coming out and I remember seeing a trailer thinking this looks scary as fuck uh, then kind of hearing in or reading in that article that it's a remake of Last Shift or like a reimagining I thought that'd be really cool to sort of compare and contrast the two of these because I feel like it's almost a rarity for a director to be like hey I'm going to remake the movie that I just made alright I don't know why he did it I should have probably looked up like interviews with him to see why he wanted to do that but I thought it was a cool idea and I, it's interesting like when somebody makes a film that kind of gets some buzz and then somebody else goes here's money to redo that i want i want to know what how that how that worked out you know i thought
1: i had seen last shift for many years and it turns out it's because of the thumbnails on streaming services so what i had seen was starry eyes have you seen that movie it's about a girl that sells her no. soul to become an actor and it's sort of a commentary on how the movie industry modeling etc treats women and it is very good, but there's the cover art is her looking up at the sky, and she has pentagrams kind of scratched over her eyes. And the cover of Last Shift is the creepy creature at the end of Last Shift with the pentagram for a face that looks like a Slipknot mask. So they, they're not that similar, but they're similar enough that I was like, oh, I've seen that. And no, I hadn't. I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, I absolutely have not seen this about halfway through it, <laughs> even though I went into it going, oh, yeah, I just don't remember it. Nope, I hadn't <laughs>
0: seen it. No, I can see why you would uh, make that mistake. It's very similar.
1: It's not just similar enough. Don't give me that much credit. It was a silly mistake. But, you know, we watched it now, so... Yeah. Uh, the, the only other example I could think of of this happening was Last House on the Left, which was remade by Wes Craven in the early 2000s because that was the big craze of, like, uh, 13 Ghosts, House on Haunted Hill... Uh, I have not seen his remake of that, but I just remember him giving them the rights, but he said only if he could direct it. I do not think that was the situation today with Last Shift and Malum. Yeah, I I actually haven't seen either. I watched the original for the first time for this, like uh, on the Nikki episode where we're talking about extreme horror. It was just me and her. But I had never seen it before.
0: The Nikki episode.
1: (laughs) I'll call it this... uh... She's the star. She, she when I think of Nikki, I think of her tell, like watching gross movies with her mom and trying to get it as extreme as possible. So yeah. That's she's more motivated to look for that than I am, even though I like watching that kind of stuff. So, somewhat of a. I mean, I will, we'll just go full spoilers in this, and I will say also, like you mentioned already early in the episode, I think these are good movies to watch, and you should watch them before you listen to this. uh If I had to recommend one over the other, I would just say Malum only because. There was more of a budget and there's more effects on display. But if you, you know, you have the access to it, definitely watch last shift as well. If you appreciate kind of smaller budget movies.
0: You know, I think I would be on the opposite end of that. I think I actually prefer last shift, but uh let's 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 chat about it. Let's go in what order did you watch them in? Did you watch Last Shift first and then Mellum? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I wanted to okay. watch the, the the other one first and then yeah. yeah go to
0: it. Cool. Let's talk about Last Shift. Uh, so it came out in October 2014. Written by Anthony de Blasi and Scott Poiley. and was directed by Anthony de Blasi. Uh, the plot is it's a rookie cop's first shift alone in the last night of a closing PlayStation turns into a living nightmare. So she ends up seeing like some spooky shit that's going on. And uh, again, like Alex said, we're doing full spoilers for these two. Uh, it turns out that there was a cult in town that was uh, abducting women to do ritual sacrifices of them. And it was reported that three of these cultists were killed in a shootout when the, the women were, that were abducted were uh, rescued. But it turns out the cultists were brought back to the police station and they ended up hanging themselves in their cell. So their sort of spirits are now haunting this police station. From the, from the start, I thought this movie was super freaky, like super atmospheric she's just alone in a giant police station and there are creaks and sounds coming from every direction i would be freaked out as like as soon as she walks in there and like the other cop leaves i'm like i'd just go sit in the car i wouldn't i wouldn't be in there
1: i thought that this movie would be even more effective if it were just an interactive haunted house experience because this movie just felt like it was a like you 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 have most of the plot already and then the rest is haunted house Kind of scares it's not necessarily jump scares they they are in there, but it is a lot of like uh the, you know it turns out there's something behind you kind of stuff, and it is really it's different than i'm I've been sitting through uh, I read an interview with the director about malum in fangoria uh it's just mostly an article about effects, but he just mentioned that like he's tired of elevated horror, not that he's tired of elevated horror, but he's tired of that meaning like or horror in general being like. It needs to be a slow burn in order to have some kind of a story and he said i want a horror like i want a comedy to be comedic these days and a lot of the the um attention movies are getting in the last decade or so is when they subvert your expectations like you go in thinking it's going to be this kind of thing and it does something a little different and that catches your attention um, which is a positive but he's like i just wanted to make a backed like brass tacks horror movie that's just there to scare you and i think that's that was a pretty admirable goal and last shift is you could tell it was a low budget, like it's not like a student film, but like they had limited resources on it. And I think that's kind of a strength to it. Um, I did really like that it was shot in one location. Like it feels like you're in four hallways the whole time and you got a sense for where things were and what they were. Like Malum, is kind of expanded. Um, I looked it up and it was shot in a, uh, a, like a penitentiary in Louisville, Kentucky. It's just much larger. That's it, as opposed to like the old police station in the first one. Um, I have no idea where I was going with this, but uh, it's a spooky, jump scary kind of time. But I was surprised how much I liked that.
0: Yeah, it was like it's just a long, like 90 minute horrific nightmare, really. You you never really get to a point where like the character and you as the viewer can like sit and rest and say, okay, like we're safe for now. Like we're just going to like be there is one point, like one like three minute conversation with another character where it's just exposition about what's going on with the police station. That's where this officer Jessica Lauren learns like about the cultists and that they were brought back and blah, blah, blah. Cause this, she's talking about a prostitute outside and the prostitute says, I was here that night. I was in the cell next to them and I heard them hanging themselves. Um, That's the only point in the movie where you kind of have a little bit of uh, like calmness, but the rest of it, like you're kind of tensed up. All the time because, like, there's always something slamming in the background, or there's something like jumping out, or there's something chasing her. It's it does a really good job of kind of making you make you have an experience of the movie as opposed to just being like a passive observer.
1: I forgot we haven't mentioned it that, um, the reason that she uh and I might get the facts crossed over with these movies, so if I get something wrong, feel free to correct me. But the reason she picks this, like, the reason she's sitting in this. Uh, old police station is because her dad died there and this is just last shift i know it's different in malum but her dad is killed by this cult after saving a few of the people is that correct or is that only in malum
0: uh i think that's just malum it's hard to say i because i don't think last shift had as much background information the old literally uh, i think last shift it really only had that one scene of exposition with the prostitute outside. But I feel like it mostly relied on environmental storytelling and sort of have you, having the watcher go through the movie without kind of telling you exactly what's going on. They're cultists. They hung themselves. They're haunting her. I don't remember if in the first movie, her, I think her dad was a police officer there. I don't know if he was killed by the cult. Or if he...
1: he was killed by the cult and he um uh, ended up saving some people in there as well and because there's a point in the movie that I remember when she gets the f- when she's trying to make a phone call to the new police station, and they don't take her seriously because uh, you know sexism basically and that she's new she's a rookie, but then when they find out her last name, they're like, oh your ex person's kid That's
0: um right. And there were the photographs, the one that she found in the locker room of her and him, and then the one that the, I guess, the cultist spirits put in the hallway of him with his, like, I think he killed himself, maybe? Yes. Yes. And that's,
1: that's kind of why the ending reveal is as strong as it is because it's probably the same thing that happened to him. Yeah. As opposed to the next one where they give the dad a lot more backstory and like power underneath that.
0: Yeah. Um, any other thoughts about this one? I, it was low budget. I feel like it did a good job with what it had. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think I like it more than Malum. I like a Descend into
1: Madness kind of story, and this is a, the most basic version of that, because you kind of know that's what's happening the whole time. And at no point did I think... like So she's being um, more or less uh, tortured by this cult, so just like by having like showing her things uh, that are spooky and gross over and over again and then by the end of the film uh from earlier in the movie they set this up where the only thing that she's there for is there is a bunch of um hazmat stuff just like bio hazardous material sitting in one of the evidence rooms and a team needs to pick that up and they keep delaying uh the sergeant that sort of checks her in says they'll be here between 10 and 4 and they eventually get a hold of each other and they don't end up getting there till after after four but she ends up feeling like she's being attacked by these cult members and shooting them at the end of the film and then it's revealed that she has been shooting these biohazard guys just trying to get into the police station and the sergeant guns her down and as she sort of passes away at the end of the movie she sees these cult members embracing her like the dead ghost ones as if she's sort of been pulled into this the whole time so it sets it up and it pays off with, Uh, that she was always kind of meant to join them. It's an unhappy ending, but it's kind of where you expect it to go uh, because it ties into how her father was killed in the station. And her mother's unhappy with her the whole time because of her dad's death in there and not wanting her to be a police officer because of her father dying.
0: Yeah, I thought some of the scenes that were really effective, um, the first introduction of the homeless man, in the uh, lobby was really creepy cuz he's just a giant he was as Eddie as Nikki would uh, would like uh, just a giant homeless man ends up peeing in the lobby and he's just silent like most of the time i think he screams and stuff she kicks him out and she gives him boots that she finds there's a scene in the holding cell that he's in where the power in the station goes down and she drops her flashlight and it's picked up and shining at her and she's talking to the flashlight as if it's the homeless man and then the flashlight pans over and it shines on the homeless man but that scene was was great very creepy you don't know who's holding who or what is holding the flashlight and then it starts talking to her telling her she's gonna get killed and xyz you think it's just the two people her and the homeless man in the in the holding cell but there's a third entity and it's very creepy
1: that was one of my favorite uh, scenes in the movie in general sort of that uh, that's one of my favorite kind of scares in a movie because it's like just below a jump scare where it's you introduce something in the shadows that you didn't know was there already and yeah mm-hmm. when that flashlight's picked up and you expect to see the homeless guy and it's just somebody else shining uh, it it was really really effective pretty cool.
0: yeah there's another uh, scene in that same holding cell I think the homeless man is hung and killed And I don't know if in this movie if he had much of a role. He doesn't in in Malum. um, But in this one, I think he was just sort of like a nameless person that was just kind of there. Uh, But he's ended up... He's also sensitive to what's going on before she is. He's sort of our our alarm bells. He ends up getting hung in his holding cell. And then there's a a sheet or a screen spread out to show her uh, video footage of the cultists being hung. And they're wearing like really creepy bloody masks with like satanic symbols on it. And then like one of the cultists, like the lead guy sort of comes out of the screen almost. Like it cuts away from the screen to the, the officer, then back to the screen. And when it's back to the screen, he's there in person and he ends up taking off the mask and like, screaming in her face and chasing her. And that was really creepy too. Just like the shot of him slowly taking his mask off and then revealing the, the face on the, the poster.
1: As I was surprised to find out that was, why what they use for the poster there's a really interesting reveal i mean i guess you, you want people to watch your movie you got to give them something to stick to and it looks like a monster movie because of this guy's face the
0: slept on mask yeah yeah it was Corey taylor was in the holding cell that's right but yeah i thought the ending to, the, to this one was really powerful how she thought she was being attacked by the it was kind of a silly little uh Firefight! They were having like she and the cultists were all just running around the police station shooting at each other, and then she they was, were
1: Scooby doing. I kept calling yeah. it because they just <laughs> keep running behind her, and yeah. she spins, and then they run behind her, and she spins, and they do that again in Malum.
0: Yeah, uh, but I thought the ending revealing that it was the hazmat guys was really powerful. Even though her sergeant was a dick. Yeah, he was. Then they kind of used his performance word for word in the next one for the first introduction to him and then just like kind of forgot about him until she called him on the phone.
1: It is very different. Yeah. In, in the next one, this is what's interesting to me about this, this whole series of films is just the, the being compelled to be like, what wasn't I allowed to do this first time that I really wanted to do the second time. Cause even the, the practical effects in it are cool, but they're also very noticeably effects some of the times. And I figured that was kind of the biggest draw to redoing this was for that because Plot wise, it is expanded, but not as much as I thought it was based on the beginning. Like, I thought it was going to go a lot of different places, and then it it kind of, then we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about it now. You got any last thoughts on Last Shift?
1: I'm uh, finding out that Anthony de Blasi is, uh, produced on several Clive Barker movies made sense to me. He's definitely inspired by that, the sort of grotesque fantasy in horror. And the, like, he's not, he doesn't shy away from blood even if it wasn't that bad in last shift uh, the stuff that happens in the newest like in malum made sense to me and also it shows the power of a movie poster because i think the malum poster is very very cool it's just a set of eyes and the teeth as opposed to the face you see in the original and that's yeah. that's really yeah we'll be excited to watch it
0: yeah both of them kind of reminded me of the abyss from 2016 the oh, Void? Not The Abyss. The Void, yeah. yeah the James
1: Cameron movie?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It, okay, so I, if I had to, I mean, I, I bat super hard for The Void all the time because that was the first monster movie that I had been like super satisfied by in many, many years where they always give me the promise of one thing and then give me another, and then I saw The Void a second time, and I was like, oh, this is the real deal. I really, really love that movie. So this yeah. is definitely like toes the line of that. I think the void is a better version of it, but it's really hard to top.
0: Yeah. Um, let's set the void aside. We'll come back to it in some episode because it's, it deserves its own thing, but uh, let's talk about Malum now. Uh, so like we said, it's the same writer and director combo uh, that pretty much not scene for scene, but mostly just rewrote their original movie and refilmed it. Um, there are some noticeable changes. Uh, It came out March of this year, 2023. March 31st, to be exact. Um, The plot is almost the same. Uh, This is from IMDb. It says, a rookie police officer willingly takes the last shift shift, at a newly decommissioned police station in an attempt to uncover the mysterious connection between her father's death and a vicious cult. Kara had an interesting... I just want to preface this. I'll I'll let you kind of dive into it first. But Kara had an interesting analysis in that she thinks she would have liked this one more had she watched this one first. But I think we both actually enjoyed Last Shift more.
1: That's, that's a, a good analysis. Also, every time you say something that, I'm like, why isn't she just here?
0: <laughs> She's Nobody else baby.
1: would show up. Yeah, that's right. The baby could be here, too. It's fine. We accept you, one of us.
0: Technically, he watched both of these, too, so...
1: Nice. What was the first movie your baby watched? <laughs> Last, Last Shift? Last <laughs> Shift? I'd like to think you haven't watched anything in the last couple of weeks. Just those. Pretty much. So Malum is very similar to Last Shift, as we mentioned, with the plots. But it attempts to expand on that. The beginning of the movie kind of presents itself as a found footage film. And this is kind of fun because if you have just watched Last Shift, it gives you a lot of, like, you know what's going on. Like, it's not just because they're remaking it, but because it's a different scene that feels in the spirit of something that you're already familiar with. It's very Manson family. And they make that super obvious that that's what they're going for. Um, even the way that the guy like John Malum dresses uh, is the most seventies cult leader looking thing. Like it's somewhere between Jim Jones. Like he's just got a hairstyle that's straight out of the seventies, but uh, you, you, it shows a cult um, being, uh, they're torturing women kind of, as we mentioned before, they'd kidnapped a bunch and it shows a, um, uh, a police officer who goes in and saves them, and then the next scene cuts to their locker room. And, um, there's, like, there's a couple other cops in there with this guy who seems like he's going through it a little bit, and they're, um, making silly bits at him. He opens his locker, and they've hung in his locker a little newspaper clipping that just says, like, here, a police officer, um, saves three women, but, um, You know, he's humbled a little bit, but he kind of turns to them and says, it should have been four. I should have called for backup sooner. He's clearly eaten up because somebody got killed on his watch. Um, And the scene ends and sort of shows you other characters in the police station. We find ourselves in a shooting range where two people are having uh, light banter about not being able to bang each other, which uh, because right at the end of that banter. um, As you find out, the man had too much to drink the night they were talking about. Uh, somebody's head explodes, and uh, it's the the father. Uh, what's his name? Officer Loren, Lauren, whatever his first name is, and he's wielding a shotgun and um, going on a rampage in the police station. So that is where that happens, and then we find ourselves. It's weird because doesn't it say one year later?
0: Yeah, both movies like one year after father dies, and it feels like, of course, I mean, we live in America, and police training takes, like, two weeks. So, it, I guess it's not that crazy, but it feels like it should be a lot longer between those two points. It really, it
1: really does, especially in the later scenes when we kind of see the flashback to her youth. Uh, And I was like, well, what? What?" But that, it makes, it actually makes more sense in this one as you find out more information. But I did not understand why that was so soon, because I was like, you look like you should have been Like it makes more sense to me if you were younger and you grew up to be a police officer to honor your father's death but the difference is in the first one the father in uh, last shift the father is sort of considered a hero they remind the main character that her dad is a hero and they make him uh, a villain Uh, they make it so he is a psychopath that killed all these people even though he had just rescued all these other people and uh, the main character is trying to sort of live that down. And the reason that she takes this last shift is to learn more about her dad in his last days. And that's the reason that she's in this police station.
0: Yeah it it definitely expands on what we knew in last shift and it adds a bit to the lore. Because Officer Lauren is being spoken down to by all other police officers and people in town, uh, saying like, "Your dad's like a piece of shit. We all hate him." Blah 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 blah. It would have been a little bit more impactful in my opinion. And of course, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm just some guy talking on a podcast if they kind of put that scene later on. So the audience doesn't know what happened. You're kind of trying to piece together what is going on, why people hate this, poli- the the police officer. Um, but there are a lot of flashbacks in this movie. We
1: find out that these girls have been rescued and then we don't find out that he shot his own teammates until later.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. that That would be, pretty effective but it, after watching last shift i was like "Ooh, they changed it that was the first thing i thought
0: of. <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean you can tell there's like a bigger budget in this like the, the the uh cinematography is a little bit better um granted it wasn't bad in last shift
1: the effects team is the same one as uh the new hellraiser Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that was the thing I learned from the Fangoria magazine I read, which was like a three page spread. And they just had a bunch of close up photos of some the like exploded heads from the movie.
0: (laughs) Uh, I thought some of the uh, like masks on the characters were weird. So in both movies, she is uh, stalked by one of the girls that was killed by the cultists. In the first movie, she's like under the desk that she's sitting that officer lauren is sitting at and that and like there's like a banging she doesn't know what's going on then she sits back and there's just like a girl under her desk and she's crawling around looking for her, her face is smashed up because they were talking about smashing faces with baseball bats i thought in last shift that was a really good scene it was really creepy and the effect was really realistic looking in malum it just looked like a big old flat face mask it was weird <laughs>
1: It was weird i one of the things they addressed in that article I read, which I'm glad I read it because that was also a criticism I had, was that it looked like a big rubber plate somebody was wearing on the front of their face, and it's supposed to be as you find out later the um, somebody drops a pig off, so the cult is hugely expanded in this one where it was like a small farm with a couple of people, and they sort of um, started and ended in last shift, whereas in this new one they exist in multiple places in the U S and they are harassing the bejesus out of the other police station and causing general menace across the city that they're living in. Um, so you find there's a pig dropped off at the station and it's got the sort of weird pentagram symbol painted on its back. And she eventually lets the pig in and just puts it in one of the lockups. That's, what the face is supposed to be is the smashed in baseball bat and the pig's head combined. Does it look like that immediately? Not really, but with the ears sticking out, if you look closely, it's got,
0: Hmm.
1: I went back and I paused it to look at it. And it is very clearly a rubber effect. I can't win because I've complained so much about animation and movies and CG everything. that now that there's actual practical effects, I was like, that looks pretty, pretty silly. There was a, a
0: point in the movie so maybe we'll get to this. But so they, they brought the pig in. And I think in the, the little vignette in the beginning, that's like sort of like found footage, uh, the cultists are telling the women they have tied up that they will feed the demon. And then once they smash the woman with the baseball bat, they lead the pig in and the pig eats the woman's remains. I think they also talked about that in last shift that they fed to the pigs. Is the pig that they led in to the police station the same... Yes is that the 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 demon at the end?
1: Oh, I don't know that. I I thought the pig they let into the station was just the exploded face girl also.
0: Oh, okay, okay. It's
1: because the pig ate the remains, it's like a combination of the two of them, I think is the implication. I think the demon at the end is just the old what do they call it? Um, cuz it's not the, the old one. The low god, that's it, because it's supposed to be I I think they say this in the first one too, but they don't give it a name. Um that they call it uh, they just like something had to inhabit hell before the devil did. And they, yeah. they keep referring to Satan as like basically a poser. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he used to hang out with the, with the, the white beardy Christian God. And then he got sent there. But you know, the thing that existed there before was much more evil and that's what they worship is this low God.
0: Uh, I think it's really cool. Like I really enjoy sort of this almost Lovecraftian sort of horror, uh, Like the low god, I think that was a cool expansion uh, to the what the cult does and what they believe and worship and stuff. Uh, The effects with the masks on the faces is uh, is very fucking creepy. I thought those were done really well. Um, It's like the three cultists that are killed in the police station in this one. They have like their little pillowcases. I think that they killed themselves in uh, like turned into masks. Uh, They are in the movie in a few scenes. And they're very creepy looking because they come up and talk to Laura and right and, into the camera, and they're very freaky.
1: They make them a lot more silly and like crazy. Like, and when I say crazy, I'm using the like uh, the stereotype of like I giggle a lot when I'm speaking. Yeah, which Tiff told me was a Manson family thing. Like that, if you listen to recordings, that's how they spoke, and that's one of the reasons that trope exists. I didn't look into that any further, but. I always whenever I see people being like, <laughs> it's it puts me off. I don't think that's yeah. like a good representation of crazy. I'm much more afraid of like a Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, where you know that they're capable of something insane, but they have a like just they don't feel the same emotion you would. It's like their lack of empathy is what's scary as yeah. opposed to their like unhinged kind of just giggling.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing, like the giggling woman uh, in the police recordings was kind of silly to me talking um, about how she like
1: cut someone's balls off or whatever it was
0: and then like stuff them down his throat or... yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> he- he balls. Um, there's something else I wanted to oh in this so yeah as you were talking about the cult being much larger and harassing um, in this movie she's actually trapped in the police station because the cult comes and chains her up in there also her mother has a larger role uh, in the movie uh, there's a flashback that turns out that this is all happening to her and it happened to her dad because her mother was part of the cult and there was like some ritual put on officer Lauren as a baby. Um, so it, it did it sort- a
1: very silly. Okay. This is another, I mean, when I say it's silly, I feel like I'm nitpicking too hard because the fact of the matter is a movie like this is exactly what I want to see get made. And, uh, I understand why other people might be put off by some of this stuff. And even if I nitpick it, I still liked it in the end. And I just, I, I want to keep a positive mentality of it. But the, it is very funny to me in some movies like this, where like the mother, where it turns out that she was a member of the original cult. And that's where her father met her, um, is sort of, uh, and had this baby with her. Um, but she is wearing a like peasant shirt which looks very culty and it's got a sun wheel on it which is Mm -hmm. weird it's like a neo-pagan kind of symbol and unfortunately and and i know this not what this movie was doing it is very close to a lot of current white power symbols so i was Mm -hmm. like what the hell and the mother isn't white um so it was just uh but it's it's very like she's wearing a shirt that says i'm in a cult (laughs) so <laughs> well, like that that's when it so when I saw her at the beginning that's what I thought because I was like why is she wearing even just the um uh the peasant shirt like just the like the little ties at the top I was like that seems like something they're trying to telegraph early on to be like hey look how wicker man this looks
0: you know I didn't Which, I didn't catch up on that to be honest with you yeah,
1: yeah. I, the thing that's interesting to me about this is just the the thing that compelled the original story, like the fact that they were able to get money and be like, I think we could do this again. And I think we could change it up a little bit to make it more to our original vision, which is even something that the directors of the new it said. And like, they were talking about trying to make it closer to the book and nothing could have been further (laughs) from the truth than that example. But I mean, I think what was really interesting to me was just seeing, I I said this early in the episode, but seeing people still, Still, if you look at anything for this movie, they're like, it's a ripoff of Last Shift. And like, people are just unaware <laughs> of the fact that, like, I don't. I try to stray away from sort of that um, com- complaining about remakes and reboots. And I understand intellectual property um, complaining because that is uh, a whole nother bag of worms that I'm just not willing to get into. But as far as like the director's right to redo his own movie. is like, who gives a shit? And you, yeah. the way you worded it to me is what made it even more compelling is when you were like, well, I mean, think about evil dead one and two. And I didn't think about that originally. I know that's a really high praise comparison to say like, well, I mean, Sam Raimi made this short film that turned into the first evil dead. And then they eventually got some money and they made evil dead Two, And like, it's a different tone, but it's the same building blocks. I don't think this one strays as far from the original as Evil Dead 2 does from Evil Dead 1, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There, I think it just expands a lot. I think sometimes it gives a little bit too much away and expanded a little bit too much. Um, but I think that a lot of it did work. Like I mentioned in Last Shift, there was the homeless guy that just showed up and he was just kind of there and you didn't really get a feel for who he was and he was sensitive to what was going on in the jail. And there was a scene where he was looking through file boxes and it never really explained if he was doing that on purpose or if he was just out of it or what he was looking for. But in Malum, there's a homeless gentleman that shows up that is actually turns out to be the father of one of the girls that was captured by the cult. And he's kind of lost his mind and he's also sensitive to what's going on. They redid the holding cell scene with the flashlight. uh, And he ends up getting, I think his leg gets chewed up by the pig, right? Is that what happens to him?
1: I'm I'm trying to remember what happens to him at all because all I think about is the ending where everybody that's been attacked, killed, or a member of the cult is sort of in a room together, and I cannot remember what happens to him specifically. I watched this 24 hours ago.
0: What the (laughs) hell? Me too. (laughs) Well, there's just a lot of. It's hard because it's two movies that are like virtually the same. You're trying to like navigate like what happened in which, Um, but I, I think his leg gets chewed off by the pig. And later on in the movie, he's walking through the the hospital or the hospital, the police station, and his, his like left leg is just bone, and he's walking on it. It's a uh, it looks very painful.
1: It would be very painful. I thought you were talking about the the explodey face girl again, because when she crawls forward, she's missing a leg. So, she is, yeah. But that's yeah, that's not what you were talking about. So, what do you think about them in the in last shift? They never reveal a like a god. They never say like they never show like an ultimate evil entity. It's just the cult leader that they've been talking about the whole movie and showing footage from and he's sort of reveals himself in like uh ghostly ways as opposed to uh this big demon that shows up. And uh what you think about Starface man?
0: Yeah. This evil so, trick. Yeah, they actually did show the the demon, the low god that everyone is worshiping in the cult. Uh, he's like in the shooting range that the the killing spirit that the dad did uh, started. I thought that was very creepy. Uh, I believe his introduction was um, the girl or the girl, the police officer uh, officer Lauren is in the the shooting range, and aren't the um the targets kind of like being sent her way? Then she yes. moves that one, and the demon is there. Is that how that works? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's just got the silhouette of him. I thought that was really fucking cool. I really enjoy it because I'm a, a big creature feature fan and I need a tangible thing to be like the central thing. Like if it was just like a spirit that they were that they were trying to contact, it wouldn't do it for me. But because he's like a big guy in a rubber suit there, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm here for it. Uh it did look a little cheesy at times. It kind of like, was, like first... a Circle Gourmet
1: but what it was absolutely i agree with you and i thought that too it was when the face got turned inside out where i was like okay now this looks awesome yeah when you make it a little goopier and less like a slick that's the thing that with the hellraiser remake too where we were talking about how like it's gory the concept is gross but it looks like a prosthetic as opposed to it looking it just looks very clean yeah he looked super clean for being a weird pentagram faced demon
0: Yep, with but silly teeth. I enjoyed him being there because uh, I need, like I said, I need a physical thing. I thought the ending of this one wasn't as powerful because so the cultist, the cult leader, comes back to life and he's like a demonic-looking dude, but he's not like the 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 demon, the low god. Nah, he's got but, a veiny
1: face and some fangs. That's about it. Yeah,
0: and at the end of it, uh, he is sitting in a. There. This is the very last shot. I'm, gonna, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. The, the the demon guy, like he sends his face onto the face of Officer Lauren. It's weird. That like made Carl yeah, laugh like he, his, he like- peels
1: his little like star face off, and it's just got like it like he's ripping the skin off his face though. Yeah, that's kind of cool, and just slaps it over her face.
0: Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I forget where she goes from there. If she just like wakes up and walks to the. Shooting range, but in the uh, in the beginning, in the found footage bit, there's a little uh, throne that the the camera is is uh, pointing to. So at the very end, when she's like sort of completely taken over by the cult, um, she walks to the shooting range, and the cult leader is sitting in this throne, his like little like demon body, and then she sits in a smaller throne next to him, and that is how the movie ends. The um, yeah, 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 yeah. She shoots herself. He
1: accidentally... Uh, so, like, the only thing that ties it into the ending of the other one is that um, she thinks that she's shooting... Who does she think she's shooting? The big demon guy, and it ends up... It's her mom that she sees? Yes. So she ends up killing her mom, and then she kills herself, and after killing herself, it's revealed, like, she's shown sitting down. So she's basically completed the cycle that they set her on when she was a baby, when you see this found footage of her with her mom at the, the ranch that this cult started in. Yeah.
0: Which I is, thought Go on.
1: I was mean, just, it is, it, it tells the story. It says it's going to tell, but I agree with you that I felt unsatisfied with her shooting herself and that kind of being the ending, even just like, I, this is might just be my fault for having watched last shift right before it. Cause as soon as she shot him, I'm like, who's it going to be? Like it's gonna be an innocent, it's gonna be an innocent person. So when it was her mom, I was like, that makes sense. I can see why that's what this version has. It is,
0: yeah. Um, I feel like this movie had a bit more exposition than Last Shift, uh, as we've talked about. But I feel like that part of like her role in the cult needed a bit more explanation. Because it feels like they had like, an idea and wrote it down, and then they like, didn't. Be like, well, why is this? How are we gonna explain that?
1: You just, you just see a baby and her mom at the cult and you just know that she was that baby. It's just not very clear as to. I, my question was, does that mean that the dad was also a member of the cult and like, maybe he was setting this stuff into motion too, rather than saving
0: people? I don't know. Like, I honestly don't. I don't know if it was ever explained. My, my belief sort of is that he was just sort of like cursed because of this. I don't I don't but know.
1: That's that's what I thought, too, which is the one thing I walked away from both of these movies thinking was like I was like, there's just something a little tiny piece where I yeah. was like, if I had to give it a numerical score, I'd say they're both like seven out of 10 movies. But I want more of them. And I like this director enough that I at least want to check out his other movies. Uh, and I, and the barker influence is super obvious and like yeah. i didn't piece it together until i was reading about him and then thinking about the goopy faces being put on other people's faces and stuff i was like oh like that's definitely a, like the grotesque things of clive barker
0: yeah i i really enjoyed it i oh he also did extremity i saw that
1: yeah the one about haunted houses i didn't see it yeah. the the about that's supposed to be like the whatever that fucking psychopath that we've talked about before that pays you pay him in dog food and then he can pull your yeah. teeth out or whatever.
0: Yeah. I would have enjoyed, I mean, granted he's made other movies. Um, but it seems like this might be his biggest budget movie. And the kind of like the one that's had the most coverage. I, I'm interested to see where he's going to go from here. I'm very curious about what he would do with like maybe a script that he didn't write. Um, that isn't to say that I didn't enjoy his writing. Um, what I'm saying is I want him to do like a big budget horror movie, and I would like to see that.
1: Well, that's the thing about a movie like this is why I don't want to critique it that much because I don't want to discourage people from watching it. And I this that's the main focus. I had it's like I could try to think of a topic that's like, well, why did I want to watch these two movies back to back and compare them? Because that's an interesting thing, or is it really just it keeps me in the modern horror conversation. It's a new thing that came out. I need to keep watching the things because if uh, I, I don't want to be that old guy that's like everything was better before because that's not yeah. true. There's always going to be good stuff coming out and I'm going to keep searching for that and I think this is what I'm looking for in movies. I think I would have had more fun if this was in a the theater. I yeah. I, I'm sure it was released in some theaters but I think theater going this would have been way better in a movie theater.
0: Agreed. Yeah I just want to say I, I really enjoyed both of these movies and I want to see more is my whole thing. Um, let's see. I had, an, I had another thought about Malum that I can't. can't While
1: remember. you think about that, I will say that um, talking about Clyde Barker made me realize how I actually wanted to do the intro of this episode because I, to bring up comic books, because um, last weekend I went, I sent you that photo of us at, Yep. Uh, yeah. So, I had a whole story planned out, and I'm going to leave this bullshit in because it's just my stupid-ass brain. I just need to write this fucking shit down. Um, uh, when I was digging through back issues and things, one, I found an entire Dave Stevens section, so I got four more comic covers I didn't have of his. It's not the important part. and the I said to both um, Tiff and my friend Sean, who was with us, there's only one other comic book I'm looking for. I've been looking for it for ages, and that is the Eclipse Comics trade paperback of Rawhead Rex. Um it is a very expensive comic book that is uh rare and the reason I heard about it was an artist I already liked um his name is Putrid he does a lot of metal cover art and I he was at the music box once and I bought a print of Rawhead Rex from him and I was like this is really cool I love this movie and the story and he's like well that's based on the eclipse comic so I've been looking for it since he told me about it in like 2016 um and I found it there and obviously that's like a huge Clive Barker adaptation and then I could have brought in, speaking of comic books, uh, Ice Cream Man is one I forgot to recommend, and then we could have transitioned smoothly into this episode, but instead, all 12 of our listeners gets to hear the car wreck of me explaining it at the end of the episode. <laughs> God
0: damn it. I didn't end up thinking about what I wanted to say about this movie originally. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun.
1: It's They're both good spooky haunted house movies if you want to watch a scary movie that you think all scary movies are like. I feel like when your parents think about horror films, this is what they think they're all like. Yeah. Which is, which is a positive for me. Probably not a positive
0: from other people, but far from <laughs> they're nerds. Uh, here's a, maybe a dumb question. Did you have any, uh, would you rather this week?
1: Uh, other than would you rather watch last shift or Malin, but that's not actually <laughs> interesting. And no, I, I almost me never either. think of this.
0: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> Nicky's that, the,
1: that's Nikki's thing.
0: Nikki's the would you rather guy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me think here. Would you rather shoot random biohazard guy or your mom? I'm not leaving that in. <laughs> 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 random biohazard guy. Don't worry, mom. It's cool. <sighs> yeah.
0: I so I, I hopped on to um, the writer director Anthony DeBlasio's IMDb page. It doesn't look like he has anything coming up at the moment that is known on IMDb, but I mean
1: this just yeah. this just came out, so like yeah. I feel like this is probably exhaling right now.
0: Yeah, but both these movies, uh, I think if you have an Amazon Prime, Last Shift is streaming on there, and then Malum is like a nine ninety nine rental, uh, is not too bad. It's I'd, I looked to see if uh, the Apple rental was any cheaper. It's the same price. I was gonna rent it on Google Play because I have all those uh, Google Play credits from the survey thing, and it was like I would have ended up paying like a dollar twenty-three. It was like fourteen ninety-nine to rent on Google Play.
1: Uh, what I mean, we don't have to talk about it on the episode, but I don't know what you're talking about. Where you got a bunch of credits for
0: it? You sign up for Google, look up Google surveys, and they literally just like send you uh, surveys. Like they track your phone, like, hey, did you visit Target last week? Did you make a purchase there? Do you have a receipt Uh, that you want to show us? And you can click no. I'm like, all right, here's 30 cents. Thanks. So I just like over the course of a year, I probably earned like $30 of Google credits and use it to rent movies. That's
1: not a terrible idea. If they're tracking my data anyway, they might as well just give it to them.
0: Yeah. Uh, But yeah, both last shift Malum. I thought they were good movies and I want to see more.
1: Yeah. Do you have any other things to say to the audience other than telling them where you can find us on the internet, Brad?
0: Uh, I don't, but I can tell them where to find us. You can find us on Instagram at Podcasts. On Facebook, just search up Podcasts. Uh, we're not on Twitter. There's a subreddit. It's not very active. Um, we should
1: start a MySpace.
0: <laughs> we should. We should add Tom. And then you can email us at BrainsSplatter at gmail.com. Let us know... Uh, what you thought of these movies, uh, please leave a review on whatever podcast streaming site you listen to, because that would be great for our egos.
1: That is mostly it, yeah. Also, apparently it helps other people, the visibility of the podcast, if they're searching for it, they can find it.
0: Yeah, do us a solid, man. We just told you about these
1: two movies. Tell your friends. If you don't have any friends, tell us. (laughs) We'll be your friends. (laughs) Alright. And on and and that note I I fart today. I obviously fart today.